This episode is brought to you by Sheath. You can go to sheathunderwear.com and discover the most comfortable underwear ever created. Now, what makes sheath underwear different? Well, for men, on the inside of the underwear, there is a dual pouch. That means separate compartments for your manhood. Imagine a silky, smooth pouch on the inside that your boys slide right into that keeps you separate from your legs so there's no more sticking, no more chafing, no more need for readjustment. We all know that little move you have to make to kind of peel the bad boys off of the leg. Well, with sheath, that is a thing of the past. There are several fabrics to choose from, from modal to bamboo. My personal favorite is the bamboo. It's a newly launched product that everyone seems to really love. I highly recommend trying the bamboo sheath underwear if you have not ever given yourself the gift of true comfort. Wearing these underwear truly sets a new precedent for what underwear are and for most people, I think they end up switching entirely over to sheath because when you put on your old underwear after trying these, they just don't cut it anymore. You can try sheath risk-free. There is a 100% money-back guarantee on your first pair. So go to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. I've been involved with Sheath since its conception. It was founded by my brother, Robert Patton, who is a US military vet, who during the course of his two tours to Iraq, developed this product out of need. Need is the mother of invention, as he likes to say. And he did a great job bringing this awesome product to the world. Again, that's sheathunderwear.com promo code TIMEWHEEL. This episode is also brought to you by Ohana Kava Bar. Go to ohanakavabar.com and check out their selection. Ohana means family and it is spelled O-H-A-N-A and Kava is spelled K-A-V-A. You can order directly from their website and they will mail you high quality kava. If you don't already know, kava is a plant medicine, an herbal supplement, a replacement for alcohol. It is an incredible experience. I have used kava for years now. I love it. It makes you chill, happy, vibey. It is a communal and ceremonial beverage to unwind with at the end of your day. If you haven't given kava a try, I highly recommend it. Again, go to ohanakavabar.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 10%. Their store offers classic kava, instant kava, kava tinctures, kava capsules, and more, all of which I have tried and all work incredibly well. ohanakavabar.com promo code TIMEWHEEL.
Commencing archive. Authorizing. Access granted. Accessing file. London Van Roy, how are you? What's up, man? How are you? Doing good, doing good. Good to have you, man. I've been uh, a fan of yours for a while. Appreciate it. It's good to be on. So just to catch the audience up, you know, you're a uh, musician and an artist uh, by the name of Cult Crimes. You have been releasing music for like two years now. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's been like, I think, uh, I think I've been putting out music since April of 2019. Wow, okay. Yeah. And then uh, more recently, you have done a number of releases with our label, Time Wheel. Right, yeah. I pretty much did my two. It was all singles up until um, getting on Time Wheel and then the two EPs. I think my first EPs I've done with you guys. Mm-hmm. And they're incredible, man. Amazing work. And congrats on the newest record, Divine Invasion. Thank you so much, dude. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So to start it off, I just wanted to get into kind of your history, you know, um, you're doing such amazing creative work. I kind of am curious, you know, have you been doing art and music for very long, your whole life, or like what was your kind of creative path and how did it start? Pretty much. I've been playing, so drums is my first initial instrument. I started playing that when I was like 10 years old in concert band, jazz band, marching band, drumline, all that stuff all through school, kind of just to like, I was, I was a troubled kid. So I was always getting into shit and, uh, it was kind of like, uh, idle hands, uh, situation. So I just kind of did it as a curricular activity. Mm-hmm. Drums definitely came supernatural to me. And then, uh, by the time I was in high school, I think I started playing drums and like punk bands and stuff like that. And then, Mm-hmm. I want to say not until I was about 21, I started playing in a project um, where I was actually like writing a lot of the music and started doing vocals called Small League Sync Ships. And okay. I still do that today. I've been doing that for a long time. And then, yeah, I think the more, I think from growing up and learning the whole technical aspect of music and then getting into the creative later, the creative was just what really inspired me and thrilled me to want to get better and grow and evolve. and really push mm-hmm. the envelope on things. And then I think as like electronic gear came out, you know, samplers and synthesizers and um, they started to really, I don't know, ump the, up the ante in that field. I was like, dude, this is where it's at. Cause I would always just have this kind of imagination that no instrument could really transpose what was going on in my head. So once I started to mm-hmm. get into electronic stuff, I was went down this rabbit hole of manipulation and, um, I don't know, really creating art without inhibition. And then uh, the visual aspect, I've always like, I think I've always been a visual person. I think I was growing up, I've always been the kind of musician who wasn't really embedded in the music community per se. I was always embedded in the art community. Like all my buddies, all my homies were artists, either visual, film, street art, all that. And so it's always kind of, I don't know that that's just an energetic thing, but I've always just been more surrounded in that world. And um, so, yeah, I started the solo project about a year and a half ago and 
me and my buddy John, who does a lot of the visual stuff with me, he's the guy behind the camera. Uh, you know, we just became really good buds and started creating these videos, this video work. And, um, I think when we get in a room together, you know, we're just like kids and we have good chemistry and we get really creative and shit gets mm -hmm. weird. It's amazing. Yeah. And he's doing amazing work. Shout him out. Uh, what's his first and last name real quick? John Christofferson or JC cinematography. Um, that's right. Yeah, I think he's got a Vimeo and an Instagram. Uh, I think it's JC Cinematography or John Christofferson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Y'all synergy is incredible. So um, I'm you. glad, you know, yeah, y'all are working together. It's super cool when you find a creative partner that everything just kind of flows with. You can almost read each other's minds. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, and that tends, tends to be the case in uh, the strangest ways possible. Mm -hmm. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm, um, I've definitely had my fair share of creative relationships where it was like, oh, you did the thing that I was thinking that I was about to tell you to do <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, so that's really cool. But um, going back to when you started music and it sounds like you started drumming as a, as a kid, was there any particular musicians you looked up to or was it friends that were doing it or what kind of inspired you to, you know, look towards drums as an outlet? Um, I, funny. So my dad's a jazz musician. He's an incredible jazz musician. I actually was, uh, born on the road pretty much. My dad was a traveling musician when I was born. So the first two years, it was just kind of on the road before him and my mom settled down. And I think he always tried to push me towards music and he played everything, you know, he was like saxophone, flute, three octave vocalists. Uh, and so I was like, finally, I I was like, all right, I'll pick up an instrument. So I picked the one instrument he knew nothing about. And I think even that was kind of, re of a rebellious choice, you know? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, and it was just like, I was an insane child. Like I was a million miles an hour. I, I kind of still am. But then it was like, you know, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> kind of kid. But so it was like, oh, I could beat the shit out of something. Right. Oh, yeah, I'm all about it. Absolutely. Yeah. The drums are some of the most fun and interactive things to play. And uh, I'm not much of a uh, drummer in the sense of a drum kit, but I do use uh, hand drums quite a bit. Um, so I'm a big fan of drumming and, and I can play on the kit a little bit, like very simple patterns, you know what I mean? Like keep up with a couple of covers and that type of thing. But sure. um, yeah, I've been around drums for a while. My, my, uh, my good friend, Nick, he, I grew up, we became kind of like uh, best friends in seventh grade. And Somewhere in like eighth, ninth grade, he got like an electronic drum kit, really cheapy, kind of like almost, you know, Guitar Center entry level, two ninety nine type electronic drum kit, and uh, beat that to hell. And then he was like, "I want to get a real drum kit." And so he, you know, was very much inspired by a lot of these uh, metal musicians and you know, double bass uh, type stuff. And so he went full on, you know, metal with his uh, acoustic drum kit and in between our practices because i have a band as well um he would hop off the drums and i would hop on and learn a little bit you know how to play but they, they are incredibly fun and i can't really do guitars or anything i tried guitar a few times and, and i mean i can yeah i can make noises but it just it's not it's not coming to me you know what i mean right yeah guitar is easily my worst instrument yeah, same. I don't get that. Every time I see someone's like left hand on a guitar neck and changing chords, and then I'm just like, what the hell? All right. I know. I know. Yeah. And I live with a guitarist, and he's incredible. Um, he's the guy that works with uh, Something Fiction, my 
our band, you know, and um, he has a really awesome single out called uh, Trees in the Dark, which uh, you should check out sometime. I'll share it after the podcast because oh, yeah, he just, it just really shows his proficiency uh, with the guitar. It's all over the place and it's beautiful. That's right. Um, yeah. So with Cult Crimes, you know, it's a very uh, provocative name. Um, where's the name stem from? You know, what's the concept behind this project? Uh, I mean, I think the the main philosophy behind the name is I always kind of looked at um, uh, society, I guess. Always everybody kind of becomes part of some type of cult or following something, regardless of it being religion or their job or sports or music or whatever right. it ends up being. I mean, especially in politics, especially in 2020 politics, I mean, it seems like a giant culturade yeah going on and so uh it, it's it, it's really kind of a label more than anything else of it, right. it, everybody gets to commit their own crimes and do justice by their self through so said cult and mm -hmm. you know it it's almost a way for people to get away with their own um iniquities in a way right what do you know about, um, because I've heard this concept explored as well, it's funny how people think of the word cult as like it's a, it's a dark and sinister thing, but like there are groups of people that do a lot of good and they're still a cult, right? And, oh, absolutely. And the, the U.S. military uh, with, with the level of kind of control that the sergeant exudes over like, you know, the, the privates and, you know, you got to fall in line and do all these crazy movements and stuff. It's very more even cultish than what most people think of as a cult. And yet the army doesn't get labeled a cult. Like, what do you know about what makes a cult a cult and so on? Exactly, dude. Like, yeah, honestly, I couldn't agree more with that. And it's funny because the things that get labeled as a cult, like you said, it's, it's has this kind of negative aspect to it. Right. Where, where mm -hmm. there is plenty of cults out there that probably like have are very well intentioned, and then you have these massive corporate groups who literally build their structures like a uh, pyramidic oligarchy, and they aren't defined as a cult in any way whatsoever. But <laughs> that's how I kind of view it all, man. It's like under the scope, it all in a way looks the same. It's it's a form of um, manipulation where that whether that manipulation's uh, positive or negative you know right i always thought too it's like interesting because a cult to me always seems like a small group like a system a very small s system of something hidden you know right um, and it being cryptic in nature and that was always what i found um fascinating i was just like whoa so it's a it's a group of like-minded individuals there's usually some type of leader and they're all here for a singular purpose. And then mm -hmm. when I kind of like, I was like, well, isn't that everything? You know? Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's funny because it's like, it's one of those things that it, where it's like uh, this guy standing there with a cigarette and a beer saying, I never do drugs. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's, it's the people that say, oh, yeah, she's in a cult. And then meanwhile, they're on their way to the Catholic Church where mm -hmm. they're going to burn incense and and, and pray in collective union. And they don't think that that's anything like having a, a small group of people who, you know what I mean? Yep. And I'm not trying to call out Christianity in, in particular, but I think that it really is anything. And it doesn't mean 
that there's a bad intention. It's just that the way that they use the word on this in the media, that it, it makes it feel like that way. And uh, it's the same, like I said, the concept of the person with a cigarette and a beer that says, I don't do drugs. Well, they, they don't even think that they're doing drugs because they're so immersed in what the media says drugs are. Exactly. Yeah, that it, that's really strange is how the vernacular of society works in general. And I think there's those who are intelligent to know just how to bend a word to um, suit their own needs and, you know, demonize other people through the same word. And I've always, right. it's, it's like, it's confounding to um, watch sometimes because you're just thinking like, you, you don't see what they're doing here, right? And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of media's job, you know, media's job is to dictate the way a, a group of people think uh, about mm-hmm. something and they could do it very easily. I'm a, I'm always just kind of like flabbergasted to watch how easily people fall for that. And, you know, the media is definitely at a stronghold nowadays with it. I know. And it seems like it wouldn't be, but dude, they're catching on because social media became a thing. Mm-hmm. And for people that were quote unquote woke, they were like, Oh, now they can't control us. Now they can't. And now we're going to share our information amongst ourselves. But of course they infiltrated social media. And not only that adapted the things that we like about social media and put them on the TV now. Exactly, dude. Yep. So, so mm-hmm. now exactly. you can't, now the lines are blurred yet again between what's real and what's not because, uh-huh. and it's, you almost, know, wh- it's, way, it's, sorry. Yeah. It's almost way worse too, because really, yeah, social media is like the new propaganda machine, but because it preys our, on our own ideology and it's constantly flooding our own human flaws it's almost using us against each other through our egos where TV was like an obvious program. You know, they called it Mm -hmm. a program program for a reason. It was programming you. And then you walk away and it was kind of like a subconscious um, effort where with social media, it's now you have the banter of communication between each other. And a lot of people's opinions, I don't think they realize have been planted there. It's not their own opinions. And so they get behind it because now they think it's their own opinion and they have aligned their beliefs with a certain system that says, Hey, you should feel righteous in how you think towards this. And this person's wrong. And if, if they don't think like you, they're your enemy. And that's why it's so divisive, man crazy times man like really they really just uh, used that to hurt and divide us even more some somehow or another yeah yeah everything's getting hardcore politicized right now right where people almost seem addicted um to it and to go back to like your reference i don't do drugs while you're smoking a cigarette drinking a beer it's mm-hmm. it's you could be a sober bird and be like, I, well, I don't do anything. And then you're in your phone all day long and you're taking information at rapid speed. It's like, are we supposed to be taking that much information in our heads? And what exactly mm-hmm. is it doing to our process of thought, you know, and how we label yeah. each other? And really, are we are do we know more? Are we more awake? Are we more confused than ever? And we're using our ego to judge people through what we deem as the right way of doing something. Absolutely. That is, that is it. I mean, uh, social media itself, while it wouldn't be labeled as a drug, it does the same things to your brain. The drugs do, you know what I mean? Yep. It changes your thought patterns. It changes, you know, you have this itch now for this thing you need to scratch. It's like, you didn't have that before. Like I remember when your phone was in your pocket and the only time you look at it is if it rang or beeped, you know, now we're constantly going to it 
looking inward, no beeps. What, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> where, where are my beeps? I need them constantly. You right. know, it's like, I know, dude, I, even myself, it's like, I've caught myself sometimes, especially, sorry. Uh, see, that, see, there it goes. Uh, I'm going to tell this. There's guy. God playing a trick on us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, I've even caught myself just randomly out of nowhere just checking my phone for no specific reason and like pulling out. And then because I'm self-aware, I know it like uh, two seconds after that, I'm like, Oh, why did I do like what? Yeah. Stupid. And same and same, you know, and sometimes you can wrap it in the pretty wrapping paper of, you know, I'm working on my business or I'm spreading my art or, but at the same time it is, you know, this thing we don't really have to do. You know what I mean? You can, post and then check on your post tomorrow. But no, we want to check next hour, the next two hours after that. It's like, how's it doing? You know what I mean? It's just like, it became a way for us to become reliant on this, you know, this technology for us to feel as if we're accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's been inundated, like the social aspect of it has now been inundated with the business aspect, which has then been inundated with the artistic aspect of it. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if you want to do anything, you want to get your stuff out there, you want people to listen. The guerrilla marketing is non-existent. Even the guerrilla marketing is now within the ethos of the internet. And you kind of have to play that game. You can't not play the game or no one's going to know what you're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. It's a double-edged sword, that is for sure. It is. I think, you know, the things that I try to do and recommend is that um, there is balance and there are tools available to help maintain the balance. For for one, I'm currently wearing my uh, yellow glasses that block blue light. Now, part of the danger of the phone, of course, you know, with all the stuff we just discussed, but it's also all that blue light can like damage your eyes, make you more fatigued, make you more tired, essentially lower your level of consciousness. Um, so they have these, uh, these new glasses out that if you're someone who looks at screens all day, which I am because, you know, I'm a video editor, uh, audio editor, musician. I mean, all you're doing is looking at screens to do all these things um, that, you know, you can get eye fatigue and, and strain on your, your brain that is just not rec- really beneficial yeah, so I really recommend them because it's just one way to combat, you know, any negative side effects from kind of needing to become the cyborg that is uh, the human nowadays. Right, and, being the cog um, machine. Right. As well, I don't have one of these yet, but I've been ha- uh, been looking at them. But they have these little, like, phone cases that block electromagnetic frequencies or something from, like, when it's closed up and it's in your your pocket you know what i mean yeah because you're gonna get the electromagnetic frequencies like when you're typing no matter what but like at least now in your pocket or like when it's in your lap or like near you it's kind of closed off and like the radiations it may be sending out you know which they have like legal uh you know notices there are radiations on these iphones oh absolutely yeah i mean that's the funny thing about like 3g 4g 5g whatever it is it's like it's sending more uh you know, we're getting more electromagnetic waves like pulsed in at a rate. And although you can't see them, like the energy wave is there. And it's like, mm-hmm. the higher we go, the more, you know, invasive it is. I know. It's funny how so many people, even despite growing up in the schooling system where they tell you what everything is, energy waves, etc., pretend that, you know, just because they don't see it means it's not there or whatever. You know, like they don't see the radiation coming off their phone into their hands, into their head when they hold the phone to their head. But 
so so they don't think it's there even though like yeah. you know all you have to do is think back to science class where they were just like yeah you know radiation and you know like uh energy waves you know that's all waves because yeah it's and we forget and then when we get on a psychedelic it's like oh it's all just vibrations like you get it again and i see it all <laughs> yeah. hey, that's like a perfect analogy just for like the human experience when it comes to ignorance or yeah human ignorance it's like if you don't see or understand something then by definition it doesn't exist and it's just like wow why would you even want to take that position it just immediately stumps your growth and limits your possibility on what you can manifest or see before you absolutely and that's the benefit of these tools that we have, I was just mentioning a couple of tools to kind of help your radi- your body, you know, getting less radiation and negative signal from the phone, whether it be light or vibration, but it's also, you know, tools in the sense of keeping your mind healthy. And it's, you know, it's like a big topic on these podcasts where I talk about psychedelics or plant medicine, because they really can shift the way that you see yourself and your relationship to the world. Have you had any experiences with, with psychedelics? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, that has always been something I experiment. I mean, I used to experiment with it a lot heavier back in the day. But um, yeah, same. yeah, I remember, I think it was Terrence McKenna who said, um, when you pick up the phone and you get the answer, it's it's time to hang it up for a while. Yeah, I, I could very well be misquoting it. It could very well not be him. But <laughs> no, I think it's pretty close. It's okay. pretty close. It's like once you get the message, hang up the phone, hang up the phone. Yeah, you I, don't have to keep on, you know, listening and listening, and listening. And, and it's true. And I will say there is a level of kind of uh, integration uh, and, like that needs to take place with your your sober life. But also, I think because a lot of people and I remember when I first got into this stuff, they'd be like, psychedelics are so sacred you should only use them three times per life wow per life that's such a and i was kind of and i was kind of like hmm what are you gonna say <laughs> that's such a weird like label to create like <laughs> i know yeah, like, well it, it's okay. because you know like just thinking back as to where this came from i remember it was because we had such a powerful experience that really shook us up me and a couple of my bandmates when we were like let's say 20 that of course all of us went and individually researched psychedelics, you know, and, and with our own interests kind of coloring the research we're doing, some of those guys had such an intense of a time that they ended up coming back saying, yeah, dude, I don't think we should do that for a long time, you know, but like me, I was like, dude, that was awesome. I want to do it again. You know, yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Um, of course there's a, there's a healthy amount to do it and you do want to do it with respect and what's beautiful about the psychedelics is if you do them too much they tell you they literally in oh, an yeah. experience they'll say hey man you really shouldn't be back here so soon man like mm-hmm. what, what, what happened to the thing you said last time about when you're going to do this and this and that before you like returned here you know what i mean and yeah and i love that little ass kicking it gives you and sometimes people need that so they can like kick their self into gear and start doing the things that they want to do no no doubt exactly i've had two of those experiences one was about eight years ago and this was kind of at the edge of experimenting with uh, dimethyltryptamine quite frequently mm-hmm. and i had this one trip you know where it was exactly that you know it was like which, and if you don't know di- di- what dimethyltryptamine, which I imagine a lot of your listeners do, you mm-hmm. know, it's the most potent psychedelic. It will immediately shoot you out of your body pretty much into another dimension. But so I had one where everything starts to open up. I start to cascade down, um, 
you know, what seems like passing of stars and planets. And then all of a sudden I'm getting to that place, you know, that sacred place. And something mm -hmm. in me was just like, nope. And it was the first time I ever decided that, you know, it's weird that you even still have a choice in that place. But I have a, I had an inkling of a choice and I was just like, nope, not this time. Right. And I decided that it's almost like this extra dimensional cosmic humor of a of an alarm system went off and it was just like ah! <laughs> it was like laughing at it dude it was like laughing at me and toying with like he's not gonna do it he's pussing out he's not ah, ha, ha. right go back right. little boy go back and i was just like <laughs> <laughs> and so i come back from the trip like you know semi early so i open my right. eyes and it's the first time ever you know i'm in my waking reality but still it's heavily in my system Right. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to play with this. And I get up and I, I, I go to walk outside and like my house plants are talking to me. They're really right. upset with me that I wasn't taking care of them. I go to the backyard, <laughs> the clouds are talking to me, the water in my pool is talking with me. I mean, everything's communicating with me. And right. at one point it gets to the edge as it's dying down. And it literally says like, it's time to, um, appreciate what you have in front of you take it day by day and live a sober life and mm -hmm. collect your memories. And I was like, all right. right. And so I, wow. didn't, I didn't touch it for like eight years. And I told myself, look, if it shows up again, that's when I'll do it again. If it kind of shows up yeah. randomly, it's like, Hey, welcome. It's time to time, time to partake again. Mm -hmm. Then I will. And so sure enough, like a couple years ago it did. And man, it was an ass kicking. It was like, such a gut punch because one thing it'll do is it'll show you all the things you think you know about yourself may not be entirely true and that goes for both mm -hmm. positive and negative so for me I, i'd like to think of myself as a strong-minded person but at that time what what, what it kind of happened it was like you do this you do that you think you're this but you're actually this you think you work really hard at this but you don't work that hard at all you think like I was just like, mm -hmm. oh, God, stop it. Right. <laughs> you right. Know? Right. It was just punched to the stomach over and over. But it was the best thing that could have happened because I kind of came out of that. And it was maybe, you know, a month after starting cult crimes. And then I was like, I'm just going to I just need to be creating constantly. And I right. need to meditate and I need to do all this work on myself as well as my creative self. And then it's just been like that. It's been that for, it's been a right of that for like two years where it's just been nonstop. Exactly. And that is it. You know, it takes that courage to be able to go to those places and hear those things and not just give up though. Say, I'm going to learn from that ass kicking or the message that I received and I'm going to act on it. And it's one of the only things that can get you to do that. Like, otherwise Big you stay time. in these patterns that are negative for just years or for your whole life. No doubt. You know, you'll just keep doing the same thing. That's literally the definition of insanity is repeating the same action and expecting a different result. Yeah. And so like people do it with addiction or just bad behavior or, you know, like self-isolation or whatever it could be to the point that they're like causing their own suffering and they won't do the thing that sounds scary to do, but is known to work because um, th it takes a level of courage and commitment, and and also like you know going into the unknown, and you not not to mention the demonization that these substances have faced for from the the drug war, you know. So yep. there's so much to it, but when you know you do enter those spaces with um, 
you know, a positive intention um, to grow and learn from this. And it's not just a silly billy like, you know, oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get high, you know, cause it's not, that's not really what it is. It's like, you're going to go to your deepest self. It's not, you're going to get high. You yeah. Know? It's going to show you some stuff and it mm -hmm. might be very relentless in doing so, but. Right. I and mean, that's what you need to see to shake, shake yourself out of it. Yeah. That's the whole point. Yeah. I think that's where I've gotten with, um, psychedelics for the most part i still don't mind having a good time every now and then but for the most part i'm like all right i'm going full-fledged like heroic dose i need uh i need to have my shit torn apart right now and uh mm -hmm. you know get slapped around a little bit but at the same time you know you have ones where you don't get slapped around at all and it's just like yep everything is beautiful everything's perfect everything's in harmony i think the mm -hmm. ones that you do get slapped around is kind of the same thing you're experiencing really in your waking life it just shows you what it is you know i don't think yeah for myself anyways and i i would imagine this is the same for a lot of people but i don't think we have many external obstacles stopping us from doing what we want to do or becoming what we want to become like you really mm -hmm. live this life to kind of create yourself not just be like we're constantly told you know be your true self or be who you are. And to me, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Because I really just want to create who I am. I want to use myself as the art to then make the art, you yeah. know? And that's been a big, um, big thing for me in the last year, especially with cult crimes is kind of allowing myself to be the actual art, you know, instead of like, I'm London and I'm making this thing, I'm the artist and here's the art here you go. It's like, I kind of just want to make it all one thing and judge it how you want. I don't care. It doesn't matter after that. So, yeah. And I think that is, you know, the mark of a true artist. And I have said that before, and I do believe that that's what you are, brother. You just, you were born an artist, man. This I appreciate you're meant that to be. big time, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so when it comes to, you know, other art forms, do you, do you kind of dabble in other art forms as well and have psychedelics influenced any of that? Yeah. I mean, the, definitely the visual aspect, you know, it influences heavily. You know, I'm always trying to pull those manifest those worlds into the video aspect mm -hmm. and a lot of the like art designs and shot lists I make definitely in, is incorporating, um, either the landscapes, the feeling, the juxtaposition, yeah. or the lesson learned in, an, in a psychedelic experience, and then some. Right. So it seems also that you are very informed, possibly, on like esotericism or symbology or these types of things, just based on the types of things I've seen on your in your photos and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so tell me about your interest in that. How did that develop? Well, so I've always loved, I mean, no matter what it, like anything that has to do with the unseen, spirituality, uh, magic, uh, religion, no matter what it is, I've always been obsessed with it. You know, I'm always like, I mean, I went for years where I was just like trying to study every religion possible and not really, I think in doing so, a lot of people try to look at what is conflicting in them. And I was always trying to look, okay, what, what coincides? Like, what mm -hmm. is cohesive between all those? And I Same. found I that's found, what I look for. Yeah. It's like I found way more that was cohesive and made sense of each other than I ever found that was like that conflicting to where it was like, oh, null and void, you know. Um, right. and then that would always just lead me down these paths of like it didn't matter who it was, where it came from, what the knowledge would. It could be Christian, atheist, uh uh 
it could be completely like occultish, uh, all of it, you know, I always wanted to see what was relative, uh, in all of it. And really even after that, I wanted to, what, what's my direct experience, you know, because there's, there's also that there's a line, there's, there's a line there where you could take in all that information and then it kind of, um, molds who you are. And I've, I found that to be true in myself sometimes. And I kind of would want to like wipe that away, you know, look at things objectively and then Mm -hmm. use more of my direct experience in order to get my message across. But dude, I, yeah, I just find it all very fascinating. So, um, I believe I got in, in, uh, introduced into all this probably it's pretty funny and maybe you, you can resonate with this. I, say it probably, you know, 12, 15 years ago with people showing me these YouTube videos that were exposing Lady Gaga and all the rap stars and yeah. look at all the Masonic symbol symbologies everywhere. And they must be worshiping the devil or whatever. The mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where I got, uh, introduced to the whole concept. Oh, that's a, that's a funny way to be introduced. Cause yeah, I've seen those, man. Those are a trip. Yeah. And, you know, I don't really think that they are true. Like these videos aren't actually doing that. Of course, some director is having fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But I don't think Lady Gaga's out there drinking goat blood and shit. You know, who knows, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know something I don't know. <laughs> I met Lady Gaga, man. She loved that goat blood. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. So, so um, so, but yeah, I mean, what does, uh, to you, the kind of like black and white checker stuff represent? Cause that's like, you have a whole suit. Right. So that's always been, um, the blanket of duality in a way, you know, it's light and dark. They're intersected. We can't live. We don't exist in this three dimensional world without both of those sides. Um, mm-hmm. I've definitely seen it. It, it always shows up at the part in a trip that is like the doors, the gates, you know, between this realm and that realm, it always seems to show up checkered board. And a lot of time that checkerboard pattern has this life to it where it's like almost wrapped around an entity and it looks mm-hmm. 2d at first, but then once it starts to communicate with you, you realize it's a living entity. That is the form of communication is allowing you a path to move forward down this, uh, mm-hmm. line, this kind of intrepid line through, waves of dimensions it seems and through each dimension you seem Mm -hmm. to let go more and more of your human self and start to understand a little bit more about everything and becoming part of everything and it speaks to you in volumes but yeah i would Mm -hmm. say the black and white checkerboard is definitely the um door of perception the door of duality that gate if you will yeah right and you know there are also two kind of you know eternally um, powerful colors for some reason. White represents a whole number of things, and it's the same with black, you know. But yeah, it's funny that some people think one is good and one is bad. I, you know, I think that they, you, you hear of this concept about, you know, one has to exist for the other to exist. Mm-hmm. It's like there can't be good without bad, you know, there can't be white without black. Yeah, whatever. that's kind of like you know? uh, Vesica Pisces, and just in creating the flower of life, you know, you had void and you had light. And the intersecting of that is what created life um, Mm -hmm. as we know it. And that's a very kind of like baseline esoteric 
thought of it because you can't really wrap too many human words around there or try to explain what that is other than, yeah, both ends exist. And that's the world that that's the three dimensional in which we operate in, I would guess. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, when it comes to, you know, all the religions and spiritual traditions you have researched, which ones do you kind of, uh, you know, identify most with? I don't know if I identify with one single one the most, you know, I grew up Mormon. And so mm -hmm. I was, I think growing up Mormon and being a rebellious kid made me reject religion um, right away, reject anything of God right away, anything beyond uh, what I could see in front of my eyes. And then I, I, I think psychedelics kind of brought me back to it and made sense of it more where it became less of this very wrathful and vengeful type of entity into more of a all-encompassing entity that doesn't work the same way we work and so we tend to anthropomorphize a lot of it and stick into a box you know it's funny just think about the concept of god in religion it's like well god this entity this this source operates outside of the universe it operates outside of space and time but mankind is so obsessed with trying to put it in this very orthodox box and a lot of times once they have it in a box they're trying to confine it in an even deeper box of rules <laughs> and this is how it should be and this is how god works and i always find it funny that people say well this is exactly how god works and i'm like really right interesting you know exactly it seems yeah, like this is how you would work if you could play god beyond a king you know, yeah. that's more of what it seems like to me because it doesn't have as much of a loving aspect. And don't get me wrong, they totally, I shouldn't say that because it does in many religions too. Um, and we demonize religion a lot in uh, mm -hmm. our modern culture. But right, yeah, I don't know if I... I it's interesting because have you heard of the concept of spiritual but not religious? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I would consider myself spiritual yet not religious. But at the same dude, I feel like kind of an anomaly in all of it. Like I have friends, I have buddies that are all over the map. I have hardcore Christian friends. I have hardcore atheist friends. I have people that are super spiritual. I have people that are just like straight up magic, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And then for me, it's kind of like it all makes sense in a way. Like a lot of it makes more sense than it doesn't make sense to me. And I remember having a conversation with my buddy a long time ago who's like, doesn't believe in anything at all, hardcore atheist. And he said this thing, he's like, you know what, if God uh, does have predestination for people, then I was predestined to be an atheist. And I was like, yeah, dude, I can't really argue with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> it right. kind of like stumped me. Right, right. I always wonder if you were to give someone that is say, you know, they're, they're an atheist and I'm 100% an atheist, mm -hmm. you know, like give them a nice dose of mushrooms and see are they still an atheist? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you I've, think would happen? I've watched it happen. I've watched a buddy who was like very, well, I shouldn't say hardcore atheist. Um, yeah, he was still, he wouldn't label himself as an atheist, but most of his beliefs fell on that line. And uh, mm -hmm. finally I talked him into doing some uh, DFT and um, yeah, yeah, after it, the word, the first words out of his mouth were, yeah, I don't know what I think I know. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, yeah. We talked about it further and he would, he didn't come to this like conclusion. There is something specific, but he was definitely like, there's more. Out Absolutely. There. Yeah. And it depends on your level of interest, you know, cause for me, the psychedelic experience was so profound. Like, what is that? What's going on? 
can you get into those states without psychedelics? Mm-hmm. Um, that became my whole lifestyle. And that's why I learned yoga, breathwork, tai chi, you know, all the different wellness practices and implement them into my life. Um, and, you know, also just plant medicines, you know, some you can use more than others, you know, um, and some you only want to use once a year, some you want to use once a month. What was that? Definitely. Where do you feel like you, where were you in your head spiritually before ever doing psychedelics? Was it something you thought about? Was it something like you were curious about? Where were you religious? Were you anti-religion? Where were you kind of in general? There was, you know, a period of what I would call agnosticism through high school. I just wasn't focused on thinking about God at all. Like it was not uh, really a thing that I thought about. I was mostly thinking about video games probably uh, and skateboarding with my friends and like making skate videos. Yeah. At a a point I, uh, you know, we're starting to get immersed in this art, you know, through lyrics of people we grew up listening to, um, listening to their interviews and hearing the type of shit that they do to like make them the dope ass music that they make. And to me, that was like pure magic. You know, I had no fucking idea how they made that shit. Because it was a point in time when I wasn't a musician. Like some people grow up and and start playing stuff at five and six and 10 and know what music is. But to me, I'm just like, what is happening? You know, (laughs) I love this shit. That, That was part of the inspiration to start learning music as well. Of course, like appreciating that craft. Um, and becoming a musician myself. But um, so, yeah, eventually uh, I tried just smoking weed and I instantly was having like spiritual third eye visions. Like that's that's all I can say, you know, wow. closed eye visuals, essentially. So my friends, I feel like they were having it too. And I felt like that there was just the normal experience of smoking pot, you know, maybe that really wasn't happening. And I was just so new to it that I thought everyone was going through the same thing I was going through. But, like, I would just smoke a little and, like, literally be having, you know, really deep, powerful, metaphorical visions. Wow. And and then that really intrigued me into what is going on? What is weed? What is, there are other things that are this? What, are, what is the word psychedelic? You know, let me discover that. You know, let me watch some documentaries and, and just exploring my consciousness through this, like, most interesting thing that, that could possibly be uh, you know, like com- competing for my, my attention, you know? <laughs> right. Absolutely. So that's, awesome. that's kind of the, the spiritual, you know, evolution, you know, it was like kind of re- religious, but not really believing it just kind of like by default to like being a part to it because my family is a part to it and then grow up and kind of forget about all that. And I feel like they even kind of stopped going to church, you know, like they just kind of stopped you know, of course we would have Christmas or whatever and these holidays, Easter, but, um, it didn't really seem like a forefront to, to anyone in my family for a while. And until, you know, this happened and it's way different than religion because I don't go to this building with a, a thousand people in order to connect to God. You can just do it in your bedroom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that, that's how I felt about music too. You know, it's funny that you said, and first exploring music and your buddies playing music, you're like, this is magic, you know, because it is, it's, it's, in a way, it's magic, it's like spells, you get hypnotized, it puts you in a trance, it changes your, you know, your chemical makeup in a way, you'll think differently because of music and art, it'll change the whole aspect and how you operate in society and the way you look at your uh, external reality, you know, everything is constantly shifting and changing and speaking back to you. And I love that. And music is definitely been like a connection for me to God. And it's 
a connection for me with other humans and really just mm -hmm. exploring the deepest parts of myself. And, and, and that's all magic in a way too, you know? Yep. It sure is. And, um, another really powerful thing that happened is listening to my own music on psychedelics because you get to the headspace where you don't remember making it. Oh yeah. That, you know, and so you're great. just hearing it. Finally, you're just hearing it without all of your egoic attachments to that part of the mix or that effect or, Oh, my friend was going to lower the bass, but he kept the bass high. You forget all that bullshit mm -hmm. and like you just hear it for its raw frequency and it's beautiful. And you're like, what was I so worried about? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. If only you could just keep producing that shit. And it's like <laughs> you get in your own way thinking it's not good enough, you know, but that's where psychedelics like really help you see damn it's pretty damn good bro you should chill out yeah. <laughs> let it happen ride the wave and let it be right yeah right. i think especially as like audio engineers too we try to like perfect the sound and get it i think it was like south park or something Do you ever did you ever watch that uh oh yeah to air in six days or something where it's like the documentary on how they make an episode in six days yeah and i think I it's trey parker talking about you know you could spend all these extra hours on like perfecting that last 6% of an episode and all <laughs> right. the time on it. And no one outside of you will know a difference. Exactly. And it's so true. It's like, you know, there is, uh, so like the song righteous, for example, the one I just put the video out for that mm -hmm. whole thing was created, uh, was written, created, recorded in like two hours. It was just something that Jeez. all spilt out and I left it. Uh, all the vocals it. in it were me standing up to a mic and going for it. None of that was written down. And I couldn't believe that listening back to it, it all made sense. And the fact that it did, right. I was like, well, I'm not touching it. Right. Dude, that's killer. I love that. I yeah. love that story. Um, such a powerful song as well, and video as well. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, you know, I didn't know whether or not it was written or performed, but I do understand the concept of, you know, I guess in rap, you call it freestyling. It's just like, you just let the music yep. set it, set the tone and you just kind of let it go. It's kind of like this therapy, right? Yeah. You just kind of lock in at one point And like you said, you know, afterward, it's always just like, Oh, what just happened? Because you listen right. back and you're like, you know, I don't even know what that fool's talking about. Who's saying that? Mm -hmm. Where's that coming from? You, right. you really do in music. I feel like become the vessel and the best stuff that you create usually is coming from somewhere else and speaking through you. Mm -hmm. I think it might be coming from archetypes. I wouldn't be surprised at all. You know, they exist within us. There's all, you know, there's millions of years of, of evolution in our DNA and it's all inside of us. If we just open ourselves to allow it to come through, it could almost be your past lives. Yeah. channeling through you, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I haven't studied that. So it's not like I'm like, you know, hundred percent on that, but I'm just saying like with, with, you know, my, my mind open right now, thinking of the concept of what's happening when you freestyle is it is letting go and allowing something to come through whatever it is and not trying to stop or judge it. Yeah. yeah. Just let it come through. Yeah, I think that's the the main archetype coming through my music or like more than I like how you were asking me earlier, do I identify with one religion or 
uh, mm-hmm. philosophy, more ideology, more than anything else. And I'm like, no, the one thing I definitely see myself identifying with is this archetype of like, the cosmic jester, you know, and it keeps showing mm-hmm. up and it keeps displaying itself through my art sometimes and kind of, and even on psychedelic trips, it's like, that's the entity I see the most when it shows up. And it has a really funny way of exploring its reality and you as a person and getting you to let your ego down by kind of making fun of you and making fun of the scenario of you trying to make sense of everything. And and Mm -hmm. confine everything to a designated area and this is how it works it'll laugh at that and it's definitely the archetype i see bleed into my music and um, visual art more than anything else is kind of this like it's a big cosmic joke and not that it's i'm not saying anything's meaningless by any means like i think everything holds meaning and value but sometimes we take ourselves so seriously that we interject ourselves to the center stage of the whole universe and like it really mm-hmm. kind of backfires on us most of the time. Yeah, if- you just hold all this weight, the weight of the world yeah. for no reason because we can all individually hold it together. You know, let right. each of us do our own role. Let each of us be who we are. And we can, and we can hold the, yeah, we can all hold it together, you know? And I think that is the concept of oneness as well. And like with psychedelics, you start to say the word, oh, it's all one and oneness. It's because you see the field that interconnects everything that's holding everything, everything like the air is, you know, like the, the pockets of things around all the objects in your room is still holding it all. Yep. And all and we're all being held by it. And so it is literally connecting us all we're in this like water you know it's like when fish don't know they're in water same concept it's like we don't know that we're just part of this like vibratory frequencies that is holding everything together yeah yeah i like that that is a great uh comparison that's awesome and the artist taps into that and, and and lets us see that you know what i mean it's like and these archetypes as well they exist it was funny because when you said the Cosmic gesture, I immediately thought of um, this guy from Norse mythology, Loki. Yeah. And it's funny because if you had grown up in a Norse culture, you would have just now said, oh, Loki comes through my music, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever it would be. But like, because we're here in America and we've got all this esoteric language where you can say the cosmic gesture, you know, but everyone's tapping into that. So many people have had the cosmic gesture or Loki or whatever different word you have for it, it could be some Indian God, you know, like come, come through them. Nathan you know? would refer to him as a uh, Hayoka. And it always made, if you read up on him, like, that's the one I'm like, yep, that's them for sure. And it's when they would mm-hmm. go on these, you know, psychedelic vision quests on either peyote or versions of, um, um, mimosa and stuff. And mm-hmm. they would, they call him Hayoki and they appear almost as like, dancing clowns that operated in this weird gray area between black and white and they would use your own they would break your own ego down by kind of like showing you hey look at this look at this right no no don't bother with that don't worry about that calm down (laughs) it's okay and they're just like playing games you know yep that's where elves and gnomes and stuff come from as well yep I think, you know, people have been seeing them. They are real. It's just that they're not real in the way you think they're real. They're, 
they're real in the minds of children who see them and, 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 you know, elderly people who are having uh, an old brain, you know, that has been through so much and it's old and weary and parts of it are connecting that didn't connect before and they see it. And then we can kind of emulate those states with psychedelics in between in that life state. You know what I mean? Um, So they're there, but it's just about, you know, your level of kind of consciousness awareness or just like the patterns that are mapping in your brain at any given moment. Because I used to see things like what I thought were ghosts and it turns out, oh, it was just a hoodie on a on the on the sofa you know what i mean <laughs> but it's like now I'm, i don't even think of it i walk right damn through the house to the, the kitchen and pitch black don't give a fuck there could be 90 ghosts i don't care i'm just getting my yeah. my orange juice real quick you know <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> uh, that's too good. what do you think about ghosts and shit do you think they're what's your have you had any experiences with i haven't i i haven't had any ghost experiences i've had friends that have and you know, I've had friends that don't believe in any of that stuff at all, and they've had that experience happen. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's it, it really if there if we only see like five percent of visible light around us, there's plenty going on around us that we don't see every day. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there's plenty of dimensions uh, within ours in and around that have a whole other world going on of entities, and every once in a while. It's almost like a glitch and something bleeds into ours that we're able to mm-hmm. see. 100%. Maybe that's what we call ghosts. I don't know. I think that's it. I think that's a lot of the weird things you hear about happening. Um, like there are these like really funny, unexplained stories that exist that they really beckon disbelief. It's like there's no way. Like one, for example, like some city opens up in the middle of the ocean like once every hundred years and like. If you just so happen to be flying in a plane at that time, you're going to you're gonna enter the city. Then you're going to be in a higher dimensional city with reptiles and dinosaurs and aliens and shit. <laughs> it's like, how do they come up with this shit? You know, is it know. is it literally fiction or is, does it happen? Is it a goat is a once in a million occurrence? Yeah, dude. It's, uh, it's some other stuff. That's for sure. Remember I got into mythology there for a little while too. Um, Greek mythology and then, is it i can't i can't remember the guy's name he was like he used to make all kinds of stuff on mythology he was a wizard about it he just really um knew how to take it in context but one of the great things i love that he said about mythology is like uh who said it's up to us to decide that it's a myth and i was just like what like after all (laughs) that you've studied and said and then you followed up with that so it shows you i think the deeper you go down the rabbit hole you know in a way you come to this realization that the less you know and Mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing you know it's kind of just kind of standing back and going there's more than meets the eye and i think my current judgment before actually going down that hole was very very loosely based Mm mm-hmm yeah, the world itself is still such a mystery. I heard something like we know less about the ocean than we do like our solar system. Yeah, uh-huh. I heard something like there's there's more undiscovered stuff down there than there is like in the, the solar system. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's and that's just like crazy to me that we would be focusing so hardcore on leaving and going out, then discovering the things here, and yet and yet even in our own minds, right? Because like for a while, psychedelics were illegal. They were saying you can't discover the inner cosmos. It's it's literally like 
there's red tape. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we (laughs) in a way that they would shut down airspace. Like they're shutting down mental airspace. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we keep trying to as a whole go further outside of the world when really we need to go further inside the world. And that means the world Mm -hmm. of ourselves too. You know, we need to be willing to dive into those unconscious parts because there's plenty there to pick apart and learn far more than going to vast darkness, vast blackness. Exactly. Because what they, you know, people that are thinking, let's get the fuck off the planet are thinking is this shit's going to run out and we can't preserve it. And but but the thing is, is the the Earth has seen so much more than a, than a case of the fleas, aka humans. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like we think we're really gonna bleed this Earth dry, really. Right. Like if we're really a problem, they just blow our asses up real quick. Yeah, I was having that conversation with a buddy recently because he was talking about um, climate change and everything, and I was just like, you know what? It's funny we're trying to figure out ways to, and I get why humans would, but. You know, I think it's interesting that we're trying to figure out ways to like fix a problem when the truth is it's like, okay, if we're part of the problem, the mother earth's going to eventually be like, you know what? I've had enough. Fuck y'all. And just wipe it out. And you know, it's not like we're going to destroy the earth. We may be a virus at times, but trust me, if mother earth, mother nature gets pissed off enough, it's just going to go, no, I've had enough of that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And things are in balance to you know, I don't know what, I guess it's the Tao, you know, the way, yep. um, whatever it is that controls the weather and, you know, whether or not a comet comes and smashes, I'm a surprise less, you know, not more comets hit us. Like, it seems like we'd be getting hit by comets all the time, I but know. somehow or another, we're like safe as a motherfucker up in yeah. here, like from the treacherous outer space, you know? <laughs> right. Just the way this whole thing works in general, it's like, man, a, a centimeter off just in the cosmic creativity of the planet. And none of this would, there would be no life. It's like, there's just this perfect, perfect placement for everything to breathe. Right. And that I think is that potential garden of Eden that exists here now should you choose to see it and work on bettering yourself and your life to the point that you can help manifest that in the lives of others and we can't just manifest it for every single person or no no one guy can just say oh all seven billion of us are now in garden of eden it's not going to happen no but if you can do it for like the people in your life you know what i mean it's like try and if we each try together like we'll only make it easier you know what I mean? You yeah. can have a really beautiful life if you work on it. You can. Yep. Yeah, you really can experience. I mean, you notice that too, Justin. If you do it for yourself, you'll randomly start meeting like-minded people who are doing the same thing. You are like a magnet and you're going to just gravitate those individuals towards you when you actually make that change in your own life. You know, We could sit here mm-hmm. and talk about it all day, how I'm going to make these changes about myself. And then you find yourself in the same exact environment, the same circumstances with the same thoughts over and over and over again. You think, why? You know, I, I want this different life. But it's like, what are you doing to change you? Because the truth of the matter is, when you change yourself, the rest will just come. You don't even have to work for it. It'll just right. kind of magnetize itself to you because you're putting that energy out and you're changing that aspect of yourself deliberately. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think that, you know, like the spiritual 
um, masters um, understand that concept to like the craziest extent that like they'll literally just be like, I'm just going to sit here on this rock and not move. And like, it'll be weeks and weeks and like no one, and like nothing happened yet. But after he does that shit for like eight months, everyone brought him food. Everyone brought, there's people that are praying to him. There's people like all, he's got more food than he knows what to do with at all times. You know what I mean? All the company he could ever want because he sat on a fucking rock and did a spiritual feat. Right. Yeah. Have you heard of concepts like that before? Oh yeah. 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 So, you know, and it, it took that investment of that inner pilgrimage he took and then the life magnetized around him. And I'm not saying go out and sit on a rock, but it, it just like, that's a metaphor for do you do you to the best you can. And eventually the things that you require will, will literally flock to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It's, it, it's a shame too, kind of watching. And I hope, you know, maybe it's full, full circle and all uh, part of the process and we're just seeing the uh, birth pains of society, but it's definitely mm-hmm. a strange thing to watch the um, way people are operating with each other now. And instead of like going within and understanding more about each other and accepting differences and then you know, learning from one another. It's this very like striving for perfection through analytical means and letting mm-hmm. each other know this is how it works and you're wrong and becoming very like, I don't know. I mean, to s- the the politicized aspect of it is just a trip right now. I was, I was like, man, yeah. I kind of want to just write my uh, Instagram stories. Be like, I wonder if the Instagram generation who uh, set who left Facebook for their parents that became too political will laugh at themselves in ten years. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I think you know it's weird because it doesn't happen to all of us, you know. Because I don't feel overly politicized, right. you know, like and and maybe you don't. Nope. So it's like so a lot of us out here, we're still like maintaining some type of neutrality and in flow with what is, you know, and some of us are not, they're going to get swept up. And even people that shouldn't and wouldn't get swept up, get swept up. Cause I've seen it. It's like people that, you know, my mind didn't give a shit about this. like a little bit ago are now like totally swept up by it, yeah. you know? Um, and I'm kind of like, what happened? You know, <laughs> and I just think about but, like the energy of that, you know, it's like, believe what you want to mm-hmm. believe, but where are you consciously? What is it doing to you? You know, what's coming mm-hmm. out of you from, is, is it good? Or are you just stressed out? And now yeah. are you fueling a fire? Cause I always kind of bring back no matter what the discussion is or topic or what's happening, especially a world event. I'm like, what's happening in the ener- energy, you know, what mm-hmm. is this shifting to? And, and so when you're, when you're giving something like that, your energy over and over, you're just feeling that fire. Even if you're fighting it, even if you're supposedly fighting it, it's like you're kind of just a part of that energy now. Yeah, I've understood that as uh, the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. And it's you know what you think about, you bring about. So even if you're thinking about fighting negativity, you're still thinking about negativity yep. <laughs> instead of just like meditating that's what's funny is like by even taking like a neutral standpoint, all of a sudden they look at you like you're, 
you're careless. You don't care about what happens to us all and all this and that. And it's like, Oh yeah, I've gotten, uh, yeah. (laughs) It's like, you can't win. You can't win. No, no, dude, that's the, that's the new, um, sphere that's being created. It's like, you can't win. Like you're, everyone's wrong. always wrong. And really we are all wrong, but shit, where does that like thought process really lead any of us? I don't see any, resolution at all because mm-hmm. yeah i get labeled sometimes as apolitical and i'm like i'm not apolitical at all i'm anti-political it's like dude i pay attention plenty i see what's going in all, all the the reason i'm anti-political is because it always leads to the same source like you you really think these puppets are the ones in control and they care about you and they're trying to get your mm-hmm. vote because they care about the people like all you have to do is do a little bit of research on some of these fools and it all leads back to horrific shit you're like Right. Yeah. What? Exactly. Yep. It's funny because what they get is they get excitement. They get dopamine releases from this whole fucking, it's a fight. Mm -hmm. It's like a big UFC fight. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? And they're eating the popcorn and, Ooh, who's going to win? Ooh, 90 up. He's up by nine. Oh, he's down by two. It's like, it's this fucking fight. (laughs) Uh, That's so good. (laughs) So true, man. Yeah, it's it's literally the same concept of in what was it, uh, ancient Rome, where they gave all the 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 peasants, you know, this this grand coliseum, and there's like all this crazy shit that goes on. There's tigers and bears and fucking crocodiles and men killing them, and they let them come so that at least if they're entertained, they're not going to be rioting and shit. Yeah, distract them. You know, it's the same concept D- and distract them by the shit circus. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and boy, boy, is humanity distracted right now. I know. Well, you know, to offer some type of solution instead of just kind of say, oh, this sucks, you know, like I feel like people should um, look into their health, you know, um, make sure you're you're feeling good, you know, like if you need to go exercise, maybe try that and take your mind off the TV and the phone for a while. And Absolutely. You know, um, make sure your health is optimal. Make sure your house is clean. You know what I mean? Like, just look around and make sure you're not worrying about shit that doesn't matter when, you know, you could be actually beautifying the things that do matter. You, your body, your your house, your life, your friends. You know what I mean? It's like... Right. And, and then, you know, I think some type of meditation, it doesn't have to be straight up meditation, but some type of like you getting you time. You know, one way is that I like to rep- uh, represent is the sauna, you know, because you're in this box alone. That could be a form of meditation for people, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I- ice baths as well, you know, it shocks your system to the point that you're not thinking about the president right now. Like you got to worry about what's happening in your body. Right yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Cause I love, I see you always posting the um, going back and forth between the saunas and the ice baths and, Mm-hmm. What do you find to be the most beneficial thing about that? Like, what do you see? Uh, what results do you see? Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, my friend Stephen, who's a personal trainer and has definitely, like, helped guide me into a lot of these techniques, would give you a list of, like, things that it does for your body that that is beneficial, you know, cardiovascular health, blah, blah, blah. You know, for me, honestly, the way I interpret it is my mind feels sharp clear and clean after I do these things. Okay. You know, I'm sure there's a bunch of, you know, other things going on, lower blood pressure, like 
does this, that for the heart. And, but all I know is how I feel. And when I, when I do an ice bath for five minutes or I get out of a 40 minute sauna, you know, there's a recovery period. There's, you know, a good five minutes while you're coming back to normal consciousness, you know, from having, you know, done this extreme kind of uh, polarized feet, whether it be heat or cold, that you're not quite in that state yet. You got to cool down. You're kind of winded. You're kind of like, Ooh, that was tough. But you know, five, 10 minutes later, like when I walk out of the gym from where I was doing a sauna or when I come back into my room, like to get dressed after an ice bath, I'm like, dude, I feel so good. You know, like I feel so good. You just feel lit, happy, and clear and clean. And this is like, you didn't take anything. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. That's what it sounds um, like on the same level of, but just the um, opposite side is um, uh, float tanks. Have you ever done a float tank? Yes, I have. And I need to do more of them. Um, I've probably done like five, you know what I mean? Five floats. Yeah. Same here. I haven't done a lot at all. I've probably done about five or six and, Mm -hmm. but it's that same, not as alert. I'd say so same side like you're talking about clarity but way more relaxed mm-hmm. yep exactly it does that you know and there's so many ways and that's why i say there's no just one way to meditate because you could go float you could go ice bath you could go sauna you can literally go meditate yeah you know you could um yeah, that's how do I- mantra yep. you could sit down and sing you know just like sing you know sing to the songs you like exactly yeah so many different forms of meditation it's the you know i start my every day that way the first thing i do is i wake up i drink a big glass of water and then i go sit and i meditate anywhere from 15 minutes to a half an hour depending on the day and where i'm at mentally but yeah there is so many different as you know it's like exercising there's so many different exercises you could do right you know, you could do upper body, lower body, cardio, strength, uh, you know, a million different ways, weight lift. And it's the same right. thing with meditation. It's like, you know, you're working on your mind, body, soul, and you're aligning it or and you're bringing your emotion, you're elevating your emotions. And dude, it, it's once you start doing it and it becomes like part of your routine, you could feel like epigenetically changing almost to where you're just more conscious and aware of everything. And at first it's not fun. Like I remember when I really started heavily getting into meditation when I wasn't doing it at all. And after like six mm-hmm. months, it's overwhelming because you start to become aware of yourself, aware of your surroundings. You're more mindful of everything. And it's like, Oh, overload. And then after, right. after a while, it's like, it sets in like anything else. Once you do it, once you get used to it and your surroundings make a lot much more sense to you and how you operate in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as well, I think it takes a number of times before you unlock the positive benefit to some of these things, because I can say the first two or three times I did a sauna or something, Mm -hmm. I was literally kind of just pissed. I was just like, (laughs) what the fuck was that, dude? Like, why do people do that? That was excruciating, you know? And then it was until like that fourth time that I was like, Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. You know, so you got to try a couple times, you know, and it's, you know, it's, a, it becomes an addiction. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm addicted to the sauna. It's like, I, it's something I look forward to doing. Good. And, um, it's good. Cause you have to choose your addictions, you know, like we're all going to get addicted to one thing or another, social media, food, drugs, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Might as well pick a 
good thing to be addicted to. Yeah, exactly. Usually, and, I mean, it's true. As cliche as it sounds, but no pain, no gain, man. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I just sit there and punch myself in the stomach over and over. But <laughs> look at myself in the mirror in my eyes. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve this. Oh. That's what really gets me going. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I remember back when kids, and maybe this is real, but I remember when kids thought that that would actually, like, build your abs or make you fit or something. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> so I would, like, see kids, like, at school, like, willingly getting punched in the stomach repeatedly and i was like what the fuck are you to me man Girl, who came up with this great joke man right, was like, exactly. how can i convince people to just let me punch them as hard as i can in the <laughs> just his way of getting his aggression out and gets people lined up yeah i really feel like my abs are really getting worked out nah dude you got, you got broken ribs son <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that is too funny that's too funny all right, brother. Well, amazing chat. We got into so much deep stuff. I, you know, I think we provided a little bit of insight into, you know, who you are and the path you're on and the kind of dude you are and your interests and stuff. So I think that's pretty dope. Definitely, man. Well, uh, super, super thankful for you having me on, man. It was an awesome talk. Yeah, dude. Um, tell us where, you know, everyone can find your music, on what platforms, any websites, social media handles, etc. So Cult Crimes, it is with K's. Um, it's pretty much on all platforms, Spotify, you, you can watch all my videos on YouTube, uh, Apple Music, and I'm on Instagram is kind of where I'm most active. So yeah, between, between those. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, yes, that is Cult Crimes. Uh, you can find their music on timewheel.net. Thank you so much for being here, London. Thank you, Matt.